1: bringing the light of Christ to start your day.
0: This is Morning Air with John
3: Morales
0: on Relevant Radio.
3: Four minutes after the hour, it's Thursday, October 28th. Good morning and welcome to Morning Air on the Feast of the Apostles, St. Simon and Jude. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again to start your day here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. On Thursdays, I always make it a point to remind you that uh, this is the day in which our Lord instituted the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday. Now, the month of November is only a few days away. This is the month that we remember the holy souls in purgatory. Our family and friends who have passed from this earthly life, they need your prayers, and we want to pray for them with you. Join us here at Relevant Radio, November 2nd through the 10th, as we pray a special novena for your departed loved ones during a daily Mass at noon Central, the Chapel of Divine Mercy in the afternoon with Drew Mariani at 3 p.m. Central, and the Family Rosary across America with Father Rocky, at 7 p.m. Central. Go to RelevantRadio.com souls to share all the names of all of your departed loved ones who really do need your prayers. Again, uh, we're just a few days away uh, from November, so uh, don't just think about it. Take action. Go to RelevantRadio.com souls. As always, we begin every day uh, in prayer, uh, giving thanks uh, to the Lord uh, through the intercession of the Mother of of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life, and patroness of Relevant Radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us, and we invoke the Holy Spirit every single show. Every day when we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, coming up in just a few minutes, we'll be joined by Pablo Kay, the editor-in-chief of Angelus News, for a Catholic perspective on recent U.S. and world news, including his take on the U.S. bishops who are warning against extreme abortion provisions in the U.S. Senate budget. A little bit later, at the bottom of the hour, Catholic evangelist Omar Aguilar will join us to discuss celebrating Halloween. Should we celebrate Halloween? What is the Catholic teaching? as catholic christians what should we keep in mind as we approach halloween well we'll definitely talk about it we'll also bring you another episode of Glenn's story corner all that and much more coming up this hour here on morning air as we do every morning the power of scripture from the playbook of life is from john 654 jesus the lord says Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you shall not have life in you. Our Lord Jesus Christ said it very clearly in this passage from the Bread of Life discourse. Five times he spoke of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And he wasn't speaking figuratively of a symbol, a mere symbol. He was speaking about the Holy Eucharist that he was going to give us at the Last Supper on Holy Thursday, something that we always remember on Thursdays. Christ said, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. My flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Christ is the bread of life, spiritual food for the journey, for the game of life. We need to imitate the Apostle St. Thomas who said, My Lord and my God, when we receive our Lord Jesus Christ with faith and reverence, when we receive his true presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. We always finish praying with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Now, once again, it's time to take a look at some of the news stories that are important for Catholics and other Christians that they should be aware of. Among some of the headlines we want to talk about this morning, the U.S. bishops are warning against extreme abortion provisions in the U.S. Senate budget bills. And the U.S. Supreme Court keeps Texas Heartbeat Abortion Law in place and says it will review it on November 1st. And the Papal Nuncio preaches at the Los Angeles Red Mass and asks God for curs to defend. And the voiceless. And would you believe that a Canadian diocese is requiring COVID-19 vaccinations to attend mass? Now joining us with more on these and other stories from a Catholic perspective is Pablo Kay, the editor-in-chief of Angeles News, AngelusNews.com with the nation's largest archdiocese of Los Angeles. Good morning, Pablo. Welcome back to the show. Always good to be with you.
2: Good morning, John. Thank you. It's good to be here, too.
3: Uh, Pablo, uh, the U.S. CCB, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, has stated that life is the preeminent issue facing Catholics today in our country. Abortion laws uh, seem to be uh, becoming more and more extreme. Why do you think that the U.S. bishops are warning against extreme, what they call extreme, abortion provisions in the uh, current U.S. Senate budget bills?
2: Well, first of all, uh, these spending bills are have been the topic of uh, a lot of buzz and coverage in the mainstream media, right? There's the the whole uh, the negotiations going on, especially in the Senate, um, with some holdout senators from the Democratic Party, um, and there's uh, there's different sticking issues now. There's uh, talk about uh, on the revenue side of uh, taxing uh, billionaires' investments that haven't. Um, have n't uh, been cashed out or whatever, but uh, it's important that the U.S. bishops kind of um, be vocal about this because these other um, lesser-known um, kind of sticking points in the in the spending bills aren't getting any of this kind of attention, right? And and you know, frankly, they're absolutely right. We've we've had um, pro pro legal abortion, um, several of them presidents in the past several decades, chambers of Congress controlled by by uh, by politicians in favor of legal abortion, but never have we seen um, uh, such, uh, I mean the U.S. bishops can say it better than I can, but but uh, really extreme um, positions on on legal abortion and essentially um, advocating for the state to, to basically become a provider of legal abortion.
3: In fact, uh, one of uh, the biggest issues is the Hyde Amendment uh, that prohibits the use of federal dollars to pay for abortions. There was a time in our country, uh, even recently, but decades ago, when uh, both sides of the aisle were in agreement that uh, uh, it was not okay for taxpayers to pay for abortions, and yet it looks like the Hyde Amendment uh, is in real danger.
2: Precisely. The Hyde Amendment was always um, kind of this compromise in which um, uh, both parties, in agreeing to disagree on their positions on on legal abortion, could at least draw the line somewhere. And um, and now we're seeing, uh, in the last year, that that, that line uh, wants to be removed at least by one side of the aisle.
3: Um, we say, and we've been saying uh, for a while now, that life is winning in America because the the tide really is turning in so many ways. Uh, the uh, abortion side knows uh, that Roe is on the verge of possibly being overturned, um, and so uh, there's there's a lot of uh, discussion uh, about uh, abortion. But the the reality is is that. Abortion is not what the American people want. Uh, I, I, I feel like the laws are going in the opposite direction than what uh, the public uh, wants.
2: Well, I mean, it depends where you look. I mean, you, we, certainly these proposals are, are really alarming um, from, the, from the federal level, um, but at the state level, you see a, a much more interesting mix, right? You're seeing um, in states like Texas, Mississippi, Um, I believe in the last few years also Arkansas, Oklahoma um, come out with bills that are really putting the pressure on on abortion providers that are uh, really trying to limit abortion especially in the later um, phases of the pregnancy Um, and uh, with some mixed results. Some of them um, have faced some pretty uh, serious um, court challenges and as we know uh, the, the Mississippi bill which is probably the most uh, forceful of all is, uh, is going to be um, debated the Supreme Court this year, as will the the Texas one apparently.
3: Absolutely, uh, and speaking of the of the uh, the Texas uh, heartbeat uh, bill, it continues to be in the news, continues to make uh, uh, headlines. Uh, last week on uh, October twenty second, uh, the Supreme Court uh, said that they uh, would take a look and review uh, this uh, uh, law on November first coming up. Uh, what is specifically is is the court looking at, uh, Pablo?
2: Well. Uh the laws we, as we know, uh, basically allows people to sue anyone involved in helping uh, a woman obtain an abortion, and this is basically a, a death sentence for for um, abortion providers like Planned Parenthood and and so on and so forth. Um, but uh, you know, I think the fear is that this is another um, on the pro-abortion side that this um, law, if affirmed by uh, the Supreme Court. Um, would would basically lead to the to the overturning of of Roe v Wade, right? So uh, that's kind of what's at what's at stake here. And um, you know, a lot of the media coverage I think it was last week um, when the Supreme Court said that they would that they would um, hear uh, the the lawsuit against the law. Um, kind of the headline was you know that the the, the Supreme Court uh, keeps the the abortion law in place, they they refuse to suspend it, um, and um, well, I it seems to me I'm no no legal expert, but I mean this is the the common sense thing to do, right? To uh, give the the law its stay in court, but if there's nothing uh, explicitly or not explicitly, but really uh, not alarmingly unconstitutional or something, the normal thing is to leave the law in place and and wait for for its stay in court
3: and this heartbeat bill is just one of uh, of many laws at the local level Uh, They've been enacted uh, just here in in this year in in 2021, which has been a a record year uh, for the pro-life movement uh, with uh, all these laws at the state level, uh, including the heartbeat bill. You see that the other side uh, is quite nervous. Uh, There's such strong opposition uh, over the heartbeat bill, uh, which has been saving uh, reported 50 to 100 babies every single day since September 1st.
2: Right, and I think these heartbeat bills and, and a lot of these other laws and rulings that we're seeing come at a time, ironically, especially during the, the pandemic when there's so much emphasis on follow the science, follow the science. And now we have um, more and more science all the time, it seems, really confirming and and demonstrating and illustrating um, the fact that, that life really does Begin at conception or close to conception, right? That that heartbeat is there from very early on in the pregnancy, and um, it's hard not to, uh, when talking about a, a pregnant woman, or a pregnancy or whatever, not to not to uh, acknowledge um, that there's a baby in there. There's a there's a little human, um, so it, it's uh, it's a I think it's a very interesting moment now.
3: No question. We're joined by Pablo K, editor-in-chief of Angeles News, uh, talking about some of the news that is making headlines. And obviously all eyes are on the Mississippi case that we mentioned a moment ago, the Dobbs versus Jackson, uh, the Supreme Court case uh, that will be taken up on December 1st. That could be the case that overturns Roe v. Wade. Uh, What is your take uh, from uh, your journalistic perspective?
2: Well, my journalistic perspective. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a diocesan news editor, so I'm not. I'm not into the weeds on policy or, or the politics of all this stuff, but uh, I do think um, we have to pay close attention and be thinking about and praying about is um, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, what is the pro-life movement? What are ordinary Christians, ordinary Catholics? Um, how are they going to live? How are they going to uh, really build this culture of life that, that our Holy Father and that um, our, our bishops um, call us to build, right? Um, one thing is to change the law, but if we're not um, really helping change hearts and minds on this issue, um, then then we may not have, you know, the battle won't be, won't be uh, totally won, so to speak, right? I think it's important that regardless of the laws, um, we're really um, uh, upholding uh, life from its, in its earliest stages as a real gift, right? And that's, that's also seen in other, in other parts of, of public policy and how we, we treat um, single mothers, how we uh, make it uh, possible for families to, to flourish, especially under um, difficult circumstances.
3: Yeah, of course, if Roe is overturned, it'll go back to the states. Uh, there'll still be a lot of pro-life work uh, to do state by state, especially in places like New York, uh, Illinois, um, uh, California, your state. Uh, it, it still is, is, is a big, long uh, battle. But I, I think the key is, as you just said, we want to change hearts. So we need to continue to pray that, that we can change hearts and that abortion becomes unthinkable, uh, like slavery uh, is today? No one in their right mind would ever think uh, that slavery is okay, and, I, and we pray for the day when that uh, becomes the the mindset uh, of most Americans.
2: Indeed, I think that's uh, that's pretty on on point there. I mean, uh, it's true. We're it's going to be there's going to be states um, that, um, like you said, like New York or California, that that may respond in. Uh, there may be some some kind of backlash that will be hard to to live through, um, and also we can expect uh, a lot of uh, you know backlash in the media among uh, people of, of influence, of power, people with um, people or or corporations or whatever with uh, interest in legalized abortion.
3: Absolutely. Uh, Let's uh, shift gears there. In Los Angeles, uh, there was a Red Mass uh, with the Holy Father's ambassador on hand. Uh, Pablo, what is a Red Mass? I'm sure a lot of folks are not familiar with that term, and uh, what kind of a special celebration of the Mass was
2: this? Well, the Red Mass, I believe it was started in, uh, it's a tradition in in many dioceses, started, I believe, in the 19th century in England. Um... And, and pretty soon uh, came here to the East Coast. Um, basically, a, a Mass that's done every year around the start of the, of the legal year, which is more or less the start of the school year, to give you an idea, September, October. Um, uh, a Catholic Mass that brings together the legal community, lawyers, also legislators, um, people in the legal profession, people in public policy, Catholic and even non-Catholic, um to kind of reflect on the year ahead and to draw some inspiration from from the example of of saint thomas moore right this 16th century saint in england uh this catholic uh man who worked in in government who um stood up to to the english king at the time um who who kind of uh, stood against his desire to 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 divorce and and marry another woman um, even when the Pope would not grant his permission, right, and and he gave his life um, for that for that witness. So, the red mask kind of in following this this spirit is also an important aspect. Is that it's ecumenical, right? So, so typically, uh, representatives, um, lawyers, whatever are invited also from other from other uh, religious professions and um, obviously last year was a very difficult year to have the, the Red Mass um, in most dioceses. Um, I think the most well-known one is the one in Washington, D.C., because it, it usually attracts not only the, Catholic, uh, the Catholics on the Supreme Court, but, but most or all of the, the judges on the U.S. Supreme Court. right? So here in L.A. we had that Mass uh, was it last week, well time flies, um, and uh, the special guest uh, was uh, Archbishop Christophe Pierre, the nuncio to the United States, the, the Pope's uh, representative here in the United States, uh, a very experienced, seasoned, um, and wise diplomat, um, and who um, gave, a I think it was a, a beautiful homily um, during the Mass, which was celebrated by Archbishop Gomez, um, really kind of encouraging uh, these lawyers, most of them Catholic, To really be people, I think he said, uh, people of substance, uh, of principle. um, To really uh, be alert and not to be afraid to to defend the values that their faith um, gives them uh, in the in the public square, which is which is um, increasingly difficult, I think. Um, You know, and he spoke about the. He alluded to the challenges of, of council culture, of political pressure of the, the noise in, in today's public discourse, of tweets, of sound bites, right? And, um, but instead really to ask for, for the Holy Spirit, and he went through the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, and, and how those gifts can, can help us and help them.
3: And Pablo, um, in our final minute, uh, just y- your thoughts on uh, reports of a Canadian diocese that's requiring people to be vaccinated to attend mass. Uh, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Uh, I believe this is the diocese of uh, Cornerbrook and Labrador in in England. Um, no, actually, the, the last one I saw was the diocese of Grand Falls there in Labrador, Newfoundland. Um, and... You know, we saw this a few weeks ago and I think it was the Diocese of Montfort um, in which this was pretty soon overturned after after so much buzz. Um, so this vaccine passport mandate, it's I think it's um, we have to be careful. The, the Church has to be careful, right? Um, our Holy Father has told us that vaccination is an act of love, that it's important to do it, um, especially to, to get through this pandemic. Uh, but we have to... Um, we have to see where you know in relation to religious liberty um, you know if this can be required of us to, to, to worship um, what else could be required of us uh, in the future so I think it's a it's going to be interesting to see how the situation evolves
3: Absolutely. And even though it's happening to our brothers and sisters in Canada, it's something to keep an eye on because, who knows, it could start happening right here in our country. Uh, Pablo, we're going to have to leave it right there. Uh, Thank you uh, so much uh, for being with us. Appreciate always your Catholic perspective uh, on news affecting our church and our country.
2: Thanks so much, John. Like I always say, it's always a, a pleasure and an honor to be here. With you.
3: Thanks, Pablo. Pablo K., Editor-in-Chief of Angelus News, angelusnews.com of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. We need to take a short break when Morning Air continues. Catholic Evangelist Omar Aguilar will be with us to discuss celebrating Halloween. Is there a way to do it? Should we even celebrate Halloween as Catholic Christians? We'll talk about it. Do stay with us. There's a lot more conversation to come as Morning Air continues after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forester.
0: I was working in the lab late
1: one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight, for my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the mash. He did the monster mash. The monster
3: mash.
1: It was a graveyard smash. He
3: did the mash.
0: It got on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster.
3: Mash. Oh, I'm sure many of you remember that tomb, the monster mash. It's. 30 minutes after the hour, welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Uh, it's great to be with you as we're going to talk about Halloween. It's just a few days away. Decorations have been up for weeks, it seems like, for the last month and a half. You see them everywhere, all over our neighborhoods. You see plastic skulls, giant skeletons, what I call the Bones Man, uh, graves, as zombies coming out of the ground in front of people's homes. It's What is this all about? We're going to talk about Halloween. Uh, Let me share an interesting stat with you. According to the USA Today uh, from last week, American consumers will spend a record $10.4 billion. That's billing with a B on Halloween this year. With Halloween purchases like costumes, decorations, and greeting cards, this means spending for Halloween uh, is an average of $103 per person in our country. Just mind-boggling numbers. But uh, what does all this have to do with uh, the original, the real meaning of Halloween? Should we even celebrate Halloween as the world does as Catholic Christians? And what are some of the alternatives? Joining us now to talk about Halloween is Catholic Evangelist Omar Aguilar, the Director of Religious Education for Mary Immaculate Church in Farmers Branch, Texas, in the Diocese of Dallas. Omar is the host of several Catholic and pro-life programs on Spanish radio and television, and the author of the book, Latinos Catholicos in the United States Latino Catholics in the United States Good morning Omar welcome back to Morning Air thanks for joining us this morning to talk about Halloween
1: Morning John happy Thursday to everyone great to be here with you and I love the intro great great song <laughs>
3: Happy Thursday, and uh, obviously uh, Happy Feast Day. It's also the the feast of of the the saints uh, Simon and Jude, the holy apostles. And so, you know, we we try to to look at everything through a Catholic perspective, uh, even the upcoming feast of Halloween. Um, Omar, l- let, let's talk about uh, this feast, uh, uh, this uh, this holiday. Really, uh, it uh, you know, many Protestant uh, Christians uh, say that Halloween has pagan roots. Even some Catholic agree with that can you take us back to to the Catholic beginnings of Halloween all Hallows Eve the vigil of the Feast of All Saints and its original meaning
1: yeah absolutely you know one of the one of, one of the if you want to put it this way one of the cool things one of the great things about our faith is it that Nothing is left out out of just for luck. I mean, our faith is—it's—it's it's a faith that is rooted in our everyday life in things that we we go through each and every day. And remembering and praying for our dead—it's something that is quite important for us as as followers of Christ. And we can go as far back as the as the as the fourth century. Uh, we can go back and see some of the homilies of Saint John Chrysostom and other and other fathers of the church that already back in the 300s, back in the 400 were preaching about celebrating not only the dead but also remembering those martyrs, those saints that gave their lives for their faith. Uh, so for us, All Hallows Eve, the the pre or the preparation for All Saints Day, it goes back as, like I said. A, 1700 years so it's something that we've been doing for a very very long time and obviously along the way every time that our faith encounters a new culture a new uh, a new community a new country a new nation we always try we always try to take the very best out of that community out of that culture out of that nation out of that faith and show it that it can become something even better. And so, yes, indeed, along the way, there were some cultures, there were some beliefs that were doing different things regarding their dead. And so what we are done as we were told to do, go out into the four corners of the world, go all the way around the world and preach the good news is to bring this good news that it is okay, that it is actually a good thing that we remember those that went ahead of us, those that gave us an example and how to to live faith and so yeah for us i mean it, it's an it's a very old tradition john
3: Absolutely, and uh, when you think of uh, the word Halloween, we have to remember that it actually means All Hallows' Eve uh, in in English, and uh, we're talking about something holy. You know, when we say uh, in the Our Father, hallowed be thy name, holy be thy name, uh, we're talking about honoring uh, the saints, and as Catholics, uh, we honor the saints with All Saints' Day, and uh, All Hallows' Eve is actually the vigil of All Saints' Day. Something like you said goes way back to the early church. Uh, there's all kinds of historical evidence uh, that takes it back uh, to the year 609, uh, and then eventually in the in the ninth century, uh, Pope Gregory uh, the Fourth moved it uh, to November 1st, where we have it now, the vigil of All Saints Day.
1: And, and absolutely, you know, that's one of the things. And like I say, even further back. Uh, all the way to the third century to the end of the third century late 300 years with St. John Chrysostom and other other uh, father, uh, fathers of the church that were already preaching about this and I, and I remember it became official around the ninth century around the 800 years when you know we started doing and celebrating it properly as we do for let's say with Christmas with Easter that we do have the feast day. We do have the day that we celebrate it. But we also have the day before the night, before the Vespers, where we get ready for these celebrations. And and so for us, I mean, if we think about it, all Holoceneb, it's, a, it's a quite an important day. It's, it's quite an important moment because we are preparing ourselves. We're preparing our houses. We're preparing our community. We're preparing our families to celebrate the saints, all of the saints, those that we know Those that we don't know, but that we are sure we're certain that they're in heaven praying for us and praying with us. And so for us, this is a good opportunity as well to to pass along the faith to our families, to teach our children about this important and one of the most important things that we can that we can teach them, that we are called to be saints. We are called to strive for that to look for that and so All Hallows Eve it's it's a quite an important day particularly for families
3: Absolutely, uh, yeah, totally in agreement. Uh, in fact, I think it's it's a great uh, teaching opportunity uh, for parents uh, to teach uh, their kids uh, about the real meaning of, of Halloween and uh, the the real meaning of All Saints Day. You know, I like to think of the saints as the Hall of Famers. Like we're celebrating the the we're seeing the World Series that's going on now. Uh, you know, between the Astros and Braves tied at a game apiece, and you think of all the great hall of famers that have played that game uh, throughout the the uh, the last century, and uh, that's what we have uh, in in our Catholic faith: the, the hall of famers, uh, the greatest of the greats uh, that uh, followed Christ uh, in in heroic fashion. And so, uh, I think this is a great uh, teaching opportunity. Unfortunately, Omar, there's a lot of confusion uh, because it's really become in many people's eyes uh, a pagan holiday, an opportunity to glorify the. Dead uh, with all the creepy stuff of uh, Freddy Krueger, uh, devils, witches, warlocks, uh, all kinds of stuff that's designed to scare you to death.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and I, I was thinking, well, you were talking about hall of famers. Precisely, that's what that that's, that's something that happens quite often. Uh, particularly, you know, when people are celebrating Halloween, that we don't even think about it. And just for instance, you know, when we look, whatever sports that you that you like, that you're into, it right, uh, whether it's baseball or, or football or whatever it is, right. When you see an athlete, when you see someone that you really that you really like, that you really follow, well, you try to get their gear, you, you go buy a jersey, a hat, whatever it is, and you wear it proudly right? And you're showing the world like, Hey, listen, you know, this is this is an athlete that I follow, you know, and in a certain way for a lot of people, they even kind of worship them. Right. And so for us, when we think about Halloween and what do we do during Halloween, for instance, yes, you know, if you want to dress up as, I don't know, Freddy Krueger or Jason or whatever it is that you're doing. Well, in a way, in in, in a way you're saying, Hey, I like this person. I like what they do. Even though if it's a fictional character, you still portraying that person and you're, and you're portraying that and you're telling that to, the world like listen I follow this guy because I, I go as, as far as I'm dressing like this guy so it, it, it's, it's got a meaning it means something it's not just something that we can say ah, I don't matter no it does matter because you know that's at the end of the day little by little that's who we are or that's who uh, God forbid, but that's what we wanna become. That's what it is important that for instance in, in this celebration, why don't we why don't we switch that? Why don't we turn that into something very positive? And for instance, you know, why don't we try to dress as as saints? You know, because Let us be honest, you know, to dress as Freddy Krueger or Jason or whoever, it's pretty easy nowadays. It's a given. As you were saying earlier, John, you know, people are going to spend a ton of money going to the retail store and buy whatever it is that they want to buy. And the dress, the custom is already done. You just pay for it and take it home and put it on. But if you think about it, to dress as a saint, that's going to take some work because, unfortunately, there's not many places that sell, you know, saint's costumes. So you're going to have to figure out how to do it yourself. Uh, you know, if you want to dress up your kids as a saint, that's going to take some time, some effort. Just last week, uh, my, one of my kids was in a play at school and his costume, well, we couldn't find it anywhere. So it took us, it took us about a week and a half to find it. And I gotta tell you, when did he dress up amazing. at? As well, it, it, it was frosting. <laughs> and he was Sven So, so, uh, but we couldn't find Sven anywhere. So. So, we had to, to pretty much create it around. And what we did is we went out to different stores three or four times. And the whole experience to going out with our kids and trying to find this, trying to find that, you gotta find a jersey, you gotta find a sweater, you gotta buy this, you gotta buy that. The whole experience was really, really beautiful because it gave us the time as a family to do an activity together. What if we do that the same for Halloween? You know, instead of just running down to the store and buying, you know, a witch costume, why don't you try to to create, I don't know, Saint Teresa of Lisieux costume, right? That's going to take some effort and some Absolutely. time. Absolutely, uh, for and, sure. And you can do it as a family. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs>
3: Omar, let me let me share with you a, a couple of funny stories. Uh, I remember, as you're saying, you know, about doing a, or creating a, a custom costume uh, for for your children. I remember uh, a few years ago, I actually hand sewed. I helped to hand sew a costume of Saint Maximilian Kolbe uh, for my son Joseph for a, a homeschooling All Saints Day. I literally took blue tape and created all the stripes and put it on a, on a, on a button down shirt, and I mean it looked authentic right down to the patch for St. Maximilian Kobe. And I mean, it was a huge hit. Uh, another year, he dressed up as uh, St. John Bosco. And uh, one priest, a friend of mine who saw the picture, said, oh, he looked like a bishop. We need more bishops. It was it was really <laughs> a, a hit also. But the, the you know, but the the year that he uh, dressed up as St. Maximilian Kobe, he changed into a baseball player to go trick-or-treating. I, I think he dressed up as a Chicago Cub world champion uh, with all the regalia and uh, he did that because he was concerned that it might offend people to be dressed up as Saint Maximilian Kolbe uh, to go trick or treating in the neighborhoods, and so he dressed up as something a little bit safer. So we can have fun with it. It is a, it is a, a opportunity uh, to uh, to uh, dress up as saints, to dress up as something that is is not horrifying like what we see uh, from a, a lot of folks.
1: Absolutely, this is, and, and not only we can have fun, but we gotta remember that it, 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 anything that we do, uh, there's an there's an opportunity to keep to keep sharing our faith. So we can use this wonderful opportunity to perhaps, you know, to, to do something like that, to to dress as a saint, to I don't know. When King, if if you're if you're one of those people that gives out candy, why don't you give candy with a with a prayer card, with with something like that, you know? Uh, there's always a chance. There's always an opportunity if we're willing to do it. If we're if we're open to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, Lord, I, I really want to be part of this, but is there any way that I can do it in a better way? Is there any way that I can take this opportunity and and turn it into a possible? and turn it into something that I can share with other people, my faith, and they can get to know you better, Jesus. So definitely there's a lot of ways that we can do it if we still want to get involved. Uh, and besides, let us not forget that that's our call to always be ready and willing to change the culture for the better so everyone can and, and hopefully we'll get to know Jesus.
3: Absolutely. In fact, I'm just thinking if any of our listeners uh, have already bought Halloween candy, if you plan on going trick-or-treating with with your children, if you want to be part of this conversation, have a question or comment on Halloween for Catholic Evangelist Omar Aguilar. Do you agree that Halloween is a teachable moment uh, for parents about All Saints Day and the real meaning of Halloween? Give us a call, 888-914-9149, that's 888-914-9149. We need to take a short break as we continue our conversation. On Halloween with Omar Aguilar. Stay with us. We'll be back with more after this.
0: Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888 914 9149. That's 888 914 9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
3: They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They're all together, okey,
1: the Adams family. The house is a museum.
3: 47 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm sure you remember uh, that tune from the old Adams Family uh, TV series. Wow, that uh, goes way back. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much uh, for being with us as we continue our conversation about Halloween with Catholic Evangelist Omar Aguilar. We're talking about is there a proper way of celebrating Halloween? Is this a teachable moment uh, for parents to teach our our children about the real meaning of All Hallows Eve. If you want to be part of the conversation and you want to jump in, 888-914-9149. Meyer, welcome back.
1: Oh yeah, ready.
3: <laughs> Tell me something. Do, you know, there's a, a lot of talk, especially in uh, in Protestant and fundamentalist uh, circles, uh, that. Uh, these folks are very opposed to Halloween. Do you think that it's important that we do not become uh, fundamentalists like in being uh, anti-Halloween because they're looking at it uh, as something that, uh, uh, that really portrays evil as opposed to its original meaning, which is uh, a day in which we remember uh, the saints, All Hallows' Eve, all the vigil of All Saints' Day?
1: Well, remember the one of the one of the one of the once again, going back to the beginning, remember one of the cool things, one of the great things about our faith is that wherever it goes, wherever that is taken, it, it takes the very best out of out of that, out of that culture, out of that place and turn it into something even greater by turning something towards God. So this celebration that think about it. Uh, Seventeen hundred years ago, you know, started as a very Catholic celebration, All Hallow's Eve. Let us pray for the saints. Let us pray with the saints. Let us ask the saints to pray for us. Uh, now, nowadays, sadly, has become a very secular, a very commercial celebration. But nonetheless, so we are here now. So we're called to to spread out the good news. And part of that is to be part of the culture, even though as we as we read in the Gospel of John, right, uh, that Jesus tells us, you are not of this world. And yet we're still in the world. So we, so we have to do whatever we can to turn the world towards Christ. And so, yes, we can still be part of the celebration, but always starting from, okay, I'm going to do this as a Catholic. What is it that a Catholic must do? What is it that a Catholic can do, for instance, in our hollow seat? Well, as we were talking before, we'll do all those things, you know, dress your kids as a saint, dress yourself as a saint, you know, hand out prayer cards, uh, do all those different things that little by little will change and will turn the culture because that's what we've been doing for the last 2000 years. That's our call to turn the world towards Christ. So, yeah, let's, let us. I know it's a, it's, it's a really fine line between, you know, the things that we should do and the things that we must not do. And, and so let us be careful, but that always remember that we were called out to go out into all the corners of the world and take the good news. And so we can say, oh, no, I'm not I'm not going to do that because, you know, I'm not called to do that. No, we're called to go out and about everywhere and anywhere in the world.
3: Omar, um, I remember my wife used to be the Director of Religious Education for a parish in the uh, Archdiocese of Chicago for a number of years, and she started an All Saints Party and all the kids would dress up as different saints, uh, uh, and, and it, it was it was really a, a beautiful thing to see to see all these little kids all dressed up as uh, uh, you know Juan Diego and uh, Saint uh, uh, Teresa of Avila and uh, I think uh, Cindy even dressed up as, uh, as Saint Catherine of Siena herself. Uh, so you know there is a, a, an alternative. There are different ways of celebrating um, Halloween. What has been your experience as director of religious education there at? Uh, at Mary Immaculate Church uh, in, in uh, the Diocese of Dallas. Uh, how, how, how have you seen Halloween uh, celebrated
1: uh, among uh, the, the young kids? Yeah, and, and, and that that's quite important because even sometimes you don't even have to say, it and it, it comes it comes with the invitation, right? When when you talk about, uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a trick or treat party, or you know, a, all Halloween is coming. Make sure that you get your custom ready. Families already know, and and even kids they are sort of like, oh yes, let me start looking for a saint. So it's something that uh, sometimes when you never done it before, it seems almost impossible to say no way that I can turn this into a, a fake based activity. But the more that you do it and 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 the more that people know about it the easier that becomes so at first you always find people that will be a little hesitant like well I don't know we're ready I don't know how to do it but then the moment you start doing it it becomes very easy and actually once again as we were saying earlier you know it's it's an activity that it can be a very very valuable time as a family Uh, you can spend a lot of time working working in the costumes and all the different things talking about the same and all of those things that at the end of the day bring your family even closer closer. You get to spend more time with your kids. You get to do activities, fun activities as a family. So yes, at the beginning, when you never done it before this way, uh, when you never done it from, you know, starting from your faith, it seems almost impossible, but trust me, it's not. It's actually a lot of fun.
3: Well, I I think that as Catholics, uh, we we have to uh, um, kind of draw a a fine line uh, between uh, trying to grow in holiness and also have fun uh, on uh, Halloween. Do you think it's okay to decorate our homes with spooky Halloween uh, stuff?
1: Well, let me let me let me put it this way, and, and let's let's go back to the point we were talking earlier about you know uh, hall of famers and people that you follow. You know, uh, whatever you show in the world I, I, in a way it represents who you are. And I love, for instance, I was at a, at, a, at, a, at a friend's house the other day that I didn't realize until I was leaving that in front of his house in his front yard he's got a big cross beautiful wooden cross. I mean, it's just massive. And I didn't see it when I got to his house. As I was leaving, I was noticing and it was like, whoa, it, it was, it was breathtaking because just to see the ha- the, the cross in, in front of the house, it means, you know, there's a believer there. There is a follower of Christ. Uh, and so when we do stuff like, you know, uh, decorating our houses with spooky stuff and scary stuff and all those things, in a way, we are promoting these things. We're, we're telling the world listen i i'm into these kind of things and, and 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 that's something that we need to be careful about it right cuz everything that we do uh, whether we believe it or not whether we realize it or not, we do it with a purpose with a reason and and little by little we're becoming that that we're believing little by little we're becoming that that we're following right and and so uh, th- there's a lot of things that uh, we just got to be a little careful because at the end of the day remember we're called to be to be saints we're called to be holy and there's a lot of ways that we work towards that goal including how do we how do we portray ourselves how do we portray our houses how do we show uh, who we are to the world
3: Absolutely. Um, You know, folks sometimes uh, wonder about uh, the biblical uh, basis for Halloween. I mean, Halloween obviously is not in the Bible. It's it's a celebration of the saints, and the the Scriptures have a lot to say. I mean, we could do a whole show on the communion of saints and uh, the the church militant, the church suffering, the church triumphant. Uh, There's uh, plenty of Scriptures in the the Book of Revelation that talk about uh, prayers to the saints, and uh, we know that we're supposed to pray for one another. Uh, as as St. Peter did in the Acts of the Apostles. So uh, there's not a specific uh, scripture that um, ties into Halloween, but there's a lot of scriptures that have to do uh, with um, our uh, belief in the communion of the saints, which we honor on All Saints Day, which is really the real meaning of All Hallows' Eve, uh, the vigil of All Saints Day, Omar.
1: Yes absolutely and and remember one of the uh, one of the most important things that we need to be talking to our families obviously we don't do it often because it seems very hard and difficult to do it but n- never forget to talk about the last four things death judgment heaven and hell this is something that we as, as Catholics we as followers of Christ at some point we need to sit down and discuss with our families and so this particular uh, celebration all hallows eve all saints day all souls day this tremium or or, or, or celebrations surrounding those that are no longer with those. It's a great opportunity to talk about judgment, uh, to talk about death, to talk about heaven, to talk about hell. So, yes, it might not say specifically and clearly in the Bible, but it's implicit in everything that we do as believers, as followers of Christ.
3: Absolutely. Uh, a final minute, uh, a final thought on how um, we can make a, a Halloween uh, a Holy Day's Eve again.
1: Well, let us not be afraid to, to leave out our faith. Uh, it seems overwhelming when you look around and see the, 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 all the world celebrating Halloween. And it's not only us here in the U.S., but all around the world, people getting into this kind of stuff. So uh, it might be a little bit scary, right? It might be, uh, we might be a little afraid to say, no, I can't, I can do this. It's, it's too hard. I'm just going to stay away or, or I'm just going to go with the flow. No, let us remember that precisely we're celebrating those saints that shows the way. They're leading the way. They were an example for us. Now it's, it's our turn to be a saint as well.
3: Absolutely. Well, as always, thanks so much uh, for your perspective. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being with us, uh, Omar. Oh, it's always a pleasure, John. God bless. God bless you too. Omar Aguilar, the Director of Religious Education for Mary Immaculate Church in Farmers Branch, Texas, in the Diocese of Dallas. And now it's time for another Glen Story Corner. Our story today is called Peace of
0: Pizza by Joseph Mazzella. I can't remember if I was nine or 10 years old. I do remember that it was the last day of 4-H camp. I was looking in the mirror and checking my face for bruises. The day before, for some silly reason, I'd gotten into a fist fight with another boy. Didn't take long for the bigger boys to pull us apart and call it a draw, but in truth, I had lost. My head was still sore from a couple of the blows the other boy had landed. We hadn't talked since the fight either but we just stared coldly at each other from across the room of the cabin. Still, I was in a good mood this morning because I knew my mom was bringing some of her homemade pizzas as a treat for my brother, me, and our friends. Soon I saw her walking up the sidewalk toward the steps of our cabin. She'd been bringing these pizzas to us every 4-H camp for years now. I saw her smile as my brother and his friends all grabbed a big, big piece. She made sure, though, to save the last two for me. I thanked her with a smile of my own and started to eat when I saw my fist fight opponent standing off to the side by himself. In that moment, something moved in my heart. I walked over to him and gave him one of the pieces of pizza. We talked and laughed and ate. For some reason unknown to me at the time, the pizza tasted better than ever before. I can see now what moved my heart was the finger of God. Our Heavenly Father was watching down on me that day and working a little miracle inside of me. He was moving me to forgive, to give and to love. So happy that I followed his guidance. Henry Drummond wrote, you will find as you look back upon your life that the moments when you have really lived are the moments you have done things in the spirit of love. May you really live then, may you forgive, give and love, and may your pizza always taste delicious. Second Corinthians 518, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation.
3: Thanks so much, Glenn. As always, I want to remind our listeners to go to RelevantRadio.com souls to share all the names of all your departed loved ones who need your prayers as we approach the month of November and our special novena. that will be going on from the 2nd until the 10th. Now, coming up next, our political analyst Alfonso Aguilar will talk about President Biden's low approval ratings and what it means for us as Catholic Christians. And on this uh, feast of Saints Simon and Jude, our spiritual director, Father James Kabiki will tell us all about these two apostles, and we'll also talk about All Saints Day as well. Stay with us. There's much more to come next hour here on Morning Air as uh, we come back after a short break.